As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. episode 118 of Alohomora for January 3rd, 2015. And welcome listeners, both live and who will be listening in future, we are here for our live discussion of the Order of the Phoenix film. I'm Michael Harley. I'm Kat Miller. I'm Alison Sigurd. And I'm Rosie Morris. And our guest fan today will be all of you guys. Um, there are two ways that you can get a hold of us. First of all, by phone, you can call us at 1206-GO-ALBUS. That's 206-462-5287. Or you can get in contact with us, um, maybe for our international listeners on Skype, and it's free to use Skype, so just give us a ring at Elohimora MN. Um, if you don't get through with, uh, uh, to us the first time, just keep on trying. There are a lot of people trying to reach us at the moment, so do keep trying. And before we go on, just remember, we just want to remind you to make sure to listen to our book wrap and international cover discussion, um, which was released last night. So make sure you go back and take a listen to that today. And it was so good, too. It was oh, like it was so a two-hour episode. It was, it was insanity. Great. It was insane. It was so fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, but guys, like, Order the Phoenix, it, it, we're almost officially completely putting it behind us. It's a little scary and sad. Yes, know. but we had to journey through that <laughs> that movie first to get, get done with you it. You love that movie, Michael. <laughs> My God, it, was, it's not the, it is not the worst. It is not the worst of the films, in my no, opinion. But it that's is, true. It is not. No. It's not the best either. <laughs> no. It sits no, firmly no, no. in the middle. <laughs> I don't know if it's even in the middle. It's on the lower end of yeah. my list. 
We should say already. a very quick happy to new, happy new year to all of our fans as well, because you know it's twenty fifteen. It took us however long to get through that book, but we've got a new book starting <laughs> this year. It's twenty fifteen. It's nine months because we started um, order in April. So yeah, oh wow, crazy. Ah, so, crazy. Somebody in the chat said Michael should be out of breath from all the running. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the perfect summary of this film. I, like, and I we were coming up with that during the chat, but I just kept oh, saying man. the script is running, the movie's running, it's got to run. Keep going, you guys. We have no time for this movie. We will get there all in due time. We got to run. Friend. We got to run now. We got to keep going. Oh, episode's over. Just kidding. <laughs> just like the movie. <laughs> anyway yeah <laughs> lordy you should also say that we are watching the chat but there will be a little bit of a lag um so if we don't get to your comments straight away we are still watching and it will probably come up in a little bit um so be patient with us <laughs> yes please do please do hmm so i think we've i think we usually discuss this pretty much every movie watch but uh, and we touch on a little bit where like what's your order What's your what's your order of the eight movies? What's your order of the Phoenix? <laughs> no, har har har. No, like how do you rank them? What's your order? Um, order of the Phoenix is not very high up. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> I love Prisoner, which I know a lot of people don't. Um, so I, I do. I do. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. See, okay, mine. Since I know my order is very definitive. Fair enough. You go. It oh. is. It is seven. Okay. Um, okay. Seven. Okay, so this this is adaptation wise. Not... Are you going from top to bottom? What? Are you going from like top to bottom or bottom to top? Um, favorite to least favorite. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, wait, I have to write this out so I don't miss one. <laughs> Seven, three, six, eight, five, two, one. <laughs> Four. <laughs> there Sounds you like go. The <laughs> yep. Seven, three, six, eight, five, two, one, four. So mm. that's my if, order. If I go from bottom to top, my least favorite is six, and then five, and then four, two, one, and then three, seven, and eight are all tied. Three-way tie. Okay. Fair yeah. That's, an, that's interesting. I kind of count seven and eight as one movie, so. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, I don't either. Seven's I, way better than eight. I think seven is far better than eight. I, I rank the Prisoner of Azkaban's top of my list always, definitively. We'll never move from that spot. <laughs> um, Half, Half-Blood is my second favorite. Okay. Um, then, which is, I know oh. is unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Deathly Hallows Part 1. And then things get a little muddled depending on how I'm feeling. I, I two, one and two kind of moved up, and they stand in the same place. See, I'm going to throw and my then, hat in for, for one because it's a Christmas movie, and we've just had Christmas, so like, yeah, I, I like. See, that. I always see, I always see Prisoner more as the Christmas movie just because it's got more winter imagery. I yeah. So I, I, I tend to associate that one with Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, and then after that, probably part two, and then. Uh, what's left? Order of the Phoenix, and then Goblet of Fire at the bottom. Because oh yeah, Goblet is the worst movie ever. <laughs> Goblet is the ever. Worst. So bad. <laughs> I think my, my issues with Goblet and Order of the Phoenix are very similar in the fact that they've just cut out so much stuff and left in so much stupid stuff that yeah, See, the, thing, just, the, the, the choices the di- are bad. 
The difference, though, that I see between Goblet and Order, because there is a similarity, definitely, with what's cut and how things are changed. But to me, for some reason, Order comes off a little better for it than Goblet, because Goblet just ends up being super... And I said this in the last movie chat, but Goblet ends up being really campy and silly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Order doesn't quite come off that badly in that way. It still comes off badly, but not well, for... Well, it comes it, off not flat. Campy. It, it's yes. not as, it's, it does order is flat, flat and, yeah. and Goblet's not as flat. Yeah, because yeah. so Goblet, they're the, still trying to be an action movie, whereas Order, they're trying to be more of a Harry Potter story, but they just do it badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we should get on with our movie discussion about Order then, yeah? All right. Get on with it. Get You've on got no time. It. Keep running. <laughs> Run. <laughs> From the Wikipedia page, we'll have a little bit of a, a summary of what the film did. It was a live-action filming that took place in England and Scotland for the exterior locations and Leavesden Film Studios, as we saw in the lovely park shot at the very beginning, which is now the car park for the studio tour. <laughs> which is so funny. I, how did I not I know, didn't that? know that? I know that. If you look across the houses, like you can stand in that car park and say, hey, that's the same view. <laughs> that's but funny. Yeah. I never, I'm never. Yeah, i totally no, doing that in April when I go. I'm totally doing that. I didn't know. This film was... Um, Filmed during February to November 2006 with a one-month break in June, presumably so that the actors could do exams. Um, Post-production on the film continued for several months afterwards to add in the extensive and sometimes unnecessary visual effects. (laughs) (laughs) But it was reportedly between 75 million even and 100 million uh, in pounds, which is 150 to 200 million dollars. Um, and Warner Brothers released the film in the United Kingdom on July 12th, 2007, and North America in July 11th, both in conventional and IMAX theatres. And it was the first Potter film to be released in IMAX 3D. And as we were discussing kind of. earlier in, Lame. In, yeah, in the movie watch, there were some scenes that were 3D and some that weren't, and it was just all a bit of a mess. It was like the last 20 minutes of the movie, right? I think so. I think yeah. it's like the, the fight scene where they just yeah. stood mm-hmm. there and had 3D light show or something. It's a different <laughs> time for 3D kids. Back in, back in the, oh, back in the art notch, we didn't do 3D for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Order of the Phoenix is the unadjusted 26th highest grossing film of all time um, and a critical and commercial success. Acclaimed as the best one yet by Rowling, apparently, um, who has consistently offered praise for the film adaptations of her work. You know, she kind of has I'm, to say that. I mean, it made yeah, her millions did. of dollars, it, so... It <laughs> she said that at the end of, like, every single one. She yeah, was, it's the best yet. The best yet. <laughs> yeah. It probably was the best yet in terms of a success. Most people went out to see it on the actual release days and all of that kind of thing, whereas the previous movies might right. have had a bit less of a following. Maybe? Don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. This film opened to a worldwide five-day opening of $333 million, fourth of Oof. all time, and grossed Oof. nearly $940 million total, second to Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End for the greatest total of 2007. The film was nominated for two BAFTA Film Awards in 2008. That's insane. You know what? I... How many times did I see Order in the theater? I think only twice, and I saw Pirates like six times. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Kat's fault that Order Um, lost out. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I was in my Orlando Bloom phase, so how could you blame me? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's I'm I'm always in that phase, though. Even if Order is an amazing story in the book, and like it's Harry Potter, so you have to go and see it. 
but I think Pirates was a better film. <laughs> I would agree. I mean, yeah. Orlando. Wait, which which, which one was at World's End? Was that the third one or the? That was the third that... one. I, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw those ones. Yeah, Yeah, because Dead Man's Chest was the second one. (laughs) Mm. Yep, it was the third one. So it was the one that was supposed to end the trilogy as well. So like, it did end the trilogy. There, what? There's no fourth movie. What are you talking about? (laughs) That does not exist. (laughs) I actually did fall asleep during the fourth movie, so that just yeah, it doesn't exist to me. (laughs) It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Man. Oh. Well, you know, filming wise, February to November is quite a long time period like to be devoted to one film and then still cut out some key scenes and mess around yeah. with other things i mean i read somewhere that um there was over 10 like 45 minutes of footage and then that the thing i said this in the chat that all the quidditch scenes were cut because um tiana benjamin who played angelina johnson had to drop from the film and so they were like eh we'll just cut the quidditch oh which makes and so me they sad. cut all the quidditch i love quidditch yeah See, but it's the, so not yeah, essential the quidditch is a logical cut to me especially yeah. because almost all of it is imported over to the next movie yeah um yeah so it and it works better there because i mean and people said this in the in the chat but poor ron is pretty much reduced to just standing around and being sympathetic yeah. and but <laughs> but he gets really good character development in, in half blood so it, yeah. it it works it's just at the sacrifice of ron having any purpose in this movie <laughs> so but but yeah the getting rid of the quidditch is fine there's other things that are much more i think egregious than that yeah that are worth yeah. and it's not going to win awards if it has like 20 minutes worth of quidditch in it that's true. Not that it won any. Anyway. Not that it did. Anyway. <laughs> Not that it did anyway. Uh, well, we do have a list of awards it was nominated for, and nominated but not won. <laughs> yeah, for the record. So, um, let's see. We've got the 2007 MTV Movie Awards Best Summer Movie You Haven't Seen Yet. Um, it actually won uh, the Choice Summer Movie at the Teen Choice Awards. Yeah, the, surprise. The, the, the kind of award that it's not hard to win. Yeah. Win, right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, nominated for lots of 2007 Scream, Scream Awards, um, the Ultimate Scream Best Fantasy Movie and Best Sequel, Daniel Radcliffe, nominated for uh, Fantasy Hero category. And the film did win Best Sequel, um, and Ralph Fiennes, I can never say his name. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes, thank you. (laughs) One for Most Vile Villain. I don't know why I can't say his name still. Um, It picked up three awards at the inaugural ITV National Movie Awards. Best Family Film, Best Actor for Dan Radcliffe, and Best Actress for Emma Watson, which... Those always seem to happen, and poor Rupert just gets yep. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> he's just there. He's just there to be pretty, and don't kill me, fans. Not even that pretty. So yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. Anyway, um, nominated for best live action family film at the Broadcast Film Critics Association, won 2007 People Ch- People's Choice Award for favorite movie drama. Drama. Okay. <laughs> Which I don't know how it got drama. <laughs> All right. Sure. Um, they just picked up on Angsty Harry and decided it was dramatic. Um, six awards for the 13th Empire Awards. Um, best film, David Yates won Best Director. Puh. Hey! <laughs> I don't be hating on the Yates. Bad. Don't be hating on the Yates. Oh, uh, we'll get to him. I, oh, to honey, I know we will. <laughs> um, 
He did uh, receive the BAFTA Britannia Award for Artistic Excellence in directing the four he directed. So calm down, Michael. <laughs> Someone <Hey>. likes him. <laughs> Which includes Order of the Phoenix, but low on the list when they talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Imelda Staunton. Oh my gosh, I can't speak today. I'm sorry. Imelda, Imelda Staunton. <laughs> yes, was nominated for British British Actress in a Supporting Role at the London Film Critics, Critics Circle Awards. Now that is well deserved. Yes, yes. it is. She's she in is fabulous. Oh, I didn't. I, I don't know if it was this rewatch of this film more than any other is where it hit me. Like the scene where she's being dragged away by the centaurs. I was like, no, come back. You were so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please just, don't leave us. Don't leave us, in the movie. don't leave us with these yeah. guys. <laughs> she nails this part. Oh, it's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, nominated for 2008 BAFTA for best production design and best special visual effects. Um, let's see. Going down this list. Um, Nominated for Art Directors Guild and Costume Designers Guild. All right. I talked about sweaters multiple times, so I think that's deserved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone has fabulous and There was a lot of good movie. jumpers. Lots of good jumpers. <laughs> yes. The heart ones that friend George wear. Oh, my God. Yes. The fact that they're always wearing identical clothes or, like, different colored versions <laughs> of the same outfit is just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much very it cute. Very, laugh. very cute. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Everything Emma Watson wears, yeah. I want it in mm-hmm. my closet right now. Except um, for her breathy acting. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, British Academy Children's Awards, um, nominated for Best Feature Film, and Hugo Awards nominated for Best Dramatic Presentation in 2008. Interesting. So lots of nominations. Not very many wins, but I feel like that's Potter movie. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Quite honestly, though, considering where we were all putting it on our list, it yeah. the Potter movies that would deserve to be nominated, this is perhaps not one of them. So or to win rather. Like this just wouldn't this wouldn't take a win no. um, against other movies from that year. What category would it win? Set design. <laughs> Yeah, the set design in this film is amazing. Best new cast additions. (laughs) Oh, that's (laughs) that's a good one. Something for Ivana would be a good one. Oh yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. Which actually leads perfectly into kind of the meat of our discussion. Um, There's a a lot of great things to talk about with this movie, and of course, (laughs) listeners, we we do want you to make sure and. Call in with your thoughts. We're watching you on the chat too. We've we're definitely seeing mostly. If you if we could see your faces, you'd all be pretty much nodding in agreement with everything we're saying right now. Um, good cast additions, good sets, all that good stuff. And, and yes, there were a lot writing. of new cast members. Yes, and 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 some some writing. Did you see them a second ago? They were all saying about how we should call this episode the Great Yate Hate Debate. <laughs> oh. Say that five times fast. <laughs> well, and yeah, so maybe we can talk a little bit about him before we get to the cast. So David Yates comes <laughs> along, and everybody goes, "Who's that?" With good reason, because David Yates had pretty much strictly done television up to this point. He had never directed a film. Yeah. Um, and he kind of grabbed Nicholas Hooper and said, "Come with me." And Nicholas Hooper was like, "Oh, okay." And together they they made Order of the Phoenix. Um, 
And I feel personally that you can tell that <laughs> that Hooper's uh, that Hooper and Yates are both from television and not mm-hmm. film. Um, it's pretty evident in the way that the film is the film turned out. Again, you know, we we joked in the in the in the show it, during the chat about how the scenes just run run along from mm-hmm. one moment to the next, which is definitely how TV works in many ways. Yeah. Um, yep. I don't and uh, Yates Yates did reflect later on on Order of the Phoenix and said I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into, <laughs> which is also kind of evident. Yeah, um, this this would have been a good time to pull out the movie split. Yes, yeah, I would advocate agree. for this being two movies. Or and I know we've said this over and over and over and over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. a TV show like. Let's make yeah. Harry Potter into a TV series, please. Which I'm sure Lord Yates would have loved. in heaven, please <laughs> let this happen. I am praying. <laughs> I mean, they're making it into everything else. Why not a TV series? Yeah. Because See, it the would only, the, take too long and the people who were actually acting in it would grow up too fast. Yeah, the one thing oh, I think whatever. that holds Harry Potter back from being a TV series is that you need a mammoth amount of extras that are children. <laughs> yeah. And because of the laws with how yeah. how long it children just, can work, it, it just would, it would take forever. It doesn't have to be live yeah. action. It can be animated. Whatever. I would love uh, an animated one. Yeah, an animated Harry Potter would be great. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of what the background was on, on Yates. And he would... Definitely change up his style noticeably about three more times, um, and because uh, I, I I think if you know you can see a pretty distinct change from here to Half Blood, I I still get the feeling he's never really said this, but I get a strong feeling that he went back and watched his predecessors work a little more closely, <laughs> um, and that's why Half Blood and Hallows kind of resulted the way they did. Um, I'm again, wondering Nicole- if I, wait. I'm wondering if anyone listening has any thoughts on Yates. If you do, they're all saying no animation, no <laughs> yeah, animation, no animation. <laughs> that would be amazing. But if you have thoughts uh, on Yates, like give us a call. It's two zero six four six two five two eight seven or on Skype at Alohomora MN. And look, somebody's calling. I'm going to answer it. Please do. Go ahead. Hello, caller. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Um, I'm Sabrina McLean. I'm from Lexington. Um, I'd like to mention that in the movies, we never see Lily stand up to James, and I think that we should have included her in the um in the in the sneaky worth memory for that reason. Ooh, Sabrina, Ooh, that's sweet. interesting. That's yes. interesting that you point that out because Lily was in the film. She was filmed. That whole memory was filmed in its entirety and it was cut. <laughs> so that's all there. Just somewhere in a vault. That scene and the changes made to that scene are one of my biggest issues with oh, this film. It yeah. is so bad. <laughs> and I yeah. like what I think they cut that scene because like even though they filmed the whole thing they understood that it was bad so they tried to make the best out of the bad situation <laughs> and just made it even worse mhm yeah, yeah well yeah the the way that it's the way that they chopped it up i mean and we talked about this in the chat we were already disappointed because pr- pretty much none of the actors in that scene looked like they should no um and then on top of that the scene is super confusing 
um, because the legitimacy feels like it was just shoehorned into the script. Um, and cause it had to be there and, and the memory just, yeah, it goes, it, it's just a train wreck because there's no explanation for it. It just kind of happens. And then again, just like the rest of the movie moving on, keep going. Um, and there's no reflection on it. Yeah. So a lot of the reflection on the Marauders is lost, which is interesting listeners, because if Quadron had stayed on, he had intended to put the Marauders explanation in this movie. Oh, yeah. Where'd you hear that? that? Interesting. He said it. Quadron said it a long time ago. He thought that was his plan. But of course, it didn't pan out that way. And I feel like that scene where Sirius is sitting there with Harry, you know, with a jacket and no other clothes on (laughs) the station. um, I think that like is almost like the place where it could have been mentioned. Like, oh, yeah, the Marauders map. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Good times. But. Nothing, of course, came of that. I saw in the now I saw in the um, chat. Uh, I see Thestral said, "I tend to look at the movie more than the director." Yeah, but mm. I, I see Thestral's. The the point the the good lesson here is that um, if you take any film classes, you will learn about something called the auteur theory. The auteur theory uh, suggests that the director of a film is the film that everything you see is the director's express purpose. And so I think, especially with the Harry Potter films, because we got so many different directors, I think that it is very noticeable what the directors are doing. The differences Mm -hmm. between films are definitely highly influenced by the the directors rather than kind of the continuity of the cast or anything. Yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning because um, we, since I mentioned that, you know, Hooper also came along with Yates from television that Nicholas Hooper, um, we, we, we should talk about the music for a minute because, uh, there was a lot of praise in the chat for the soundtrack of order of the Phoenix. What do you guys think? It's not my favorite. Yeah. It has good moments and it's like it, the detail in a couple of the scenes is nice. Like the firework scene Mm -hmm. is really good music and, um, oh yeah. And the, like the opening sequence, the the music is darker there and it, it, it does kind of fit as a an opening after you know the death in the last film but mm-hmm. like it just it's, it doesn't have the same atmosphere as some of the others have i think it's forgettable yeah. i think is the thing there's there's those like you said there's those good standout moments but for the most part it's it's you just don't think about it it's not like john williams score or even desplats at the end or in the last two which are beautifully done right um it's just kind of there. Just just real quick while we have uh, just a second. Um, we have a couple of people trying to call in who haven't added us to your contact. You have to add us to Skype before we can add you to the call. So if you're listening to this, be sure to add us to your contact list and then we'll be able to add you to the call. Okay, cool. There just you to go. read a few comments. The giant squid says that they especially love the happy music and it makes them want to dance, which I definitely agree with. Um, mm-hmm. And Rose Loomis says that when people think of Harry Potter music, they think of John Williams. And to me, yeah, definitely, you think of that iconic theme and that kind of iconic atmosphere that comes with that music. And it just, it was a bit lacking in this film. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And uh, speaking of callers, we do have one of our actual spat past guests on here. It's Jacob. Hello, Jacob. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. How are you guys? Very good. Thanks. What, uh, what do you want to bring up? What do you want to discuss? You're just talking about the soundtrack. The fifth one's one of my favorite soundtracks. Um, I think it's okay. mostly because I listen to it a lot, but it's mostly because... I think that's they play a lot of the music from the fifth movie at the Wizarding World, and it reminds uh, me of that. So I just oh. do it for that reason. They do. He's right. They do. Yeah, play that's a lot. true. They they, they pump order it. through the speakers at at the Wizarding. I World. mean, rightfully so because a lot of it is very like um, fast, very runny. Yeah, as yeah. my yeah. would say. <laughs> they play Umbridge's theme a lot, and it almost gets annoying, but. Still awesome. That's oh, true. that's true. It is yeah. awesome. I, feel I would like agree. That that theme is running through a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. They, they also play Harry's Wondrous World, which I love. Oh, but, love that song. See, I think that, and the the difference between, uh, for me, between Hooper and say Williams is that, as uh, as many people know, Williams pretty much writes his music beat for beat for what's going on the screen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Hooper definitely does blanket themes that are just like, here's the general mood. So I'm going to, because one of my least favorites of of parts of of the soundtrack for that he did was the scene in the prophecy hall where they're just, where it's just like that low kind of. Yeah. 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 And and you know, Williams would have been like, boom, boom. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, but Hooper, like Yates, would eventually kind of grow his themes, as we will see later in Half Blood Prince. So, and again, Uh, speaking of, I'll go ahead, Cat. I was just going to say we have another caller. It's our 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 Aussie friend Amanda, the best Bellatrix we all know. Hello. Hello. It's like six in the morning for you. Uh, five in the morning. Oh my god! She's been up all night. She was with us through the whole movie watch. Oh, thank you. Wow. Yeah, that's I, dedication. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Because this is one of my favorite movies. Before Deathly Hallows came out, it was on the top of my list. 
I oh. wonder who your favourite character could possibly be. Oh, oh, definitely not Bellatrix. I don't like her at all. But no, just in general, I like the movie. I think as a film, it works just as well as Goblet of Fire. And I've got to say the possession scene, it still makes me cry. Oh. I love it. So very the opposite of what the rest of us think. Yeah, I know. I, and I don't know what it is because I still like... Watching it again with you guys, I sort of what got to the bit with the ministry and I'm like, there's a lot missing, but mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me so much because it makes for a cleaner scene for a film for someone who's just walking in as a not book fan. Mm-hmm. But sure. the, the actual fight with the Death Eaters, it's like, oh, you're blinking, it's over. <laughs> but I do miss the 3D in the scene as well. Oh, that. <laughs> That transition with the Thestrals, I'm like, I sort of half reach for glasses and go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I haven't done that for a long time. What, though, Amanda, I have to ask, what, though, about Order makes it work in, in a similar way to you for Goblet? Because I, what, of course, we were saying before was that we all put Goblet at the bottom of our list. So I'm interested about what about Goblet and Order clicks for you. Uh, I think just to go back a movie to... Um, Prisoner of Azkaban, everyone got angry at that film because it left out so much and it made it inconsistent and the characters in the end didn't make sense. Step forward to Goblet of Fire and that's when the films really hit their stride of being a really good mix of an interesting, captivating movie that could be held on its own against the books like I'm not I'm not putting it very well. It is five in the morning. But um, no, <laughs> I get what you're saying, actually. Um, yeah, I, I think for a casual movie viewer, the first two are magical. Yes, I personally find them a little bit boring going back to these days because they are they so are blatant. They are. Yeah. yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban. I get angry because the story is completely wrong, and someone who just walking on off the street would be like, "Huh? I don't get why these people care about each other." But by the time you reach these two, I think with someone with the prior knowledge from the movies, they can walk in and fully understand what's going on. And I also like Order of the Phoenix because it throws in tidbits for the fans, like the goat. You know, it's it's there for people to be like, oh, Oh, yeah, I know that. You know, it's there are still some gaping holes in the plot line of this movie that I don't think that people can gather just from... There are worse plot. There are worse plot holes that come up. That's true. Well, I think the 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 problem is as far as plot holes go is that you know it's going to be inevitable with any of the films, but each film each film begets the the next film's plot holes, unfortunately. So even though there's plot film plot holes in order, there they may have been left over from Goblet. Yeah, but they don't fill them in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah least, and they'll you know, never do uh, some patchwork. <laughs> yeah, the, well, yeah, and the, the, by the last movie, there's some um, gr- gratuitous emergency patchwork going on, like yeah. you said. Um, but it's like the amount of times they say Padfoot without actually saying that Padfoot yeah. is serious is just a problem. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. I'll give you that one. <laughs> well, and it's 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 interesting that Amanda said that the that this um, film is actually more uh easier for uh, a non-fan to digest because i think we were seeing a lot in the chat that this is not the, the general opinion was that it's not mm-hmm. um 
I left the film the first time saying what happened, and I knew the book back to front. <laughs> <laughs> so, but of course, you know, we had some really great additions, not only in the director's seat and the music, but also in the cast, as we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, we added to the roster Ivana Lynch as Luna Lovegood, Natalia you're, Tena. You're welcome for Ivana Lynch, everybody yes. who's oh, a MuggleNet yes. fan. Muggle you're Nets. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> she did see the casting call on MuggleNet, and that is how she got through and there's a if you've ever seen listeners the um her audition tape it's pretty great because she basically says you you don't have to choose me but if you don't it's the wrong choice <laughs> uh, pretty straightforward it's pretty hilarious natalia tenna came on as tongs she did. uh so underutilized i don't know how you cannot like her i love her oh love- who sorry no as i love her i just said she's a lot of things but just as tongs she's just not how I pictured her. She's not kind of bubbly and energetic enough in my I think head. that's the script though. Probably. Yeah. I just don't I think th- they used her enough. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. That's definitely true. She has, if you haven't ever seen it listeners, um, she has an excellent scene that was cut from Deathly Hallows Part 2 where her and Lupin reunite. <gasps> yes. Um, and that's kind of where she's at her most tonksiest. I don't think I've seen really that. Cool. Oh, it's, it makes me cry. It's really cute. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> Um, yeah. Of course, Helena Bonham Carter stepped very perfectly into the shoes of Bellatrix Lestrange. Oh. It was almost like it was written for her, um, which in- <laughs> but <it> interestingly, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, it was supposed to be Helen McCrory who would play, which would go on to play Narcissa Malfoy. So weird! I can't <laughs> picture that. At all. And I love <laughs> Helen McCrory. She's one of like my favorite British actresses, and I just I can't see her as Bellatrix, but I'm so intrigued. If there's an audition tape or something out there, I want it so bad. I really <laughs> want to see it. I really do. It ended up being kind of fortuitous because Helen McCrory got pregnant around this time and so she couldn't be in the film. But mm-hmm. she would she would come back to play Narcissa and I think the two of them ended up fitting the roles they got much better yeah, than yeah, the ones they were yeah. slated for. I agree. Uh, George Harris kind of sauntered in as Kingsley Shacklebolt. Oh my god, I love him. He's, <laughs> love he's him. my favorite. I love him. And if you if, listeners, if you don't know, he is the he is the captain that you see in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, <laughs> that's that was kind of one of his first breakout roles. So um, nice to see that he's still in acting after all this time. And he is around. the quietest, most soft spoken person that I've ever had the pleasure of of speaking to he's kind and oh he's just so sweet it makes me love him even more (laughs) that's all (laughs) (laughs) and then of course the probably most major of the new adult actors Imelda Staunton um was added as Professor Umbridge did I leave her off the list you did I added her on Oh, whoops. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember putting her on that list. Thank you. How could I have overlooked that one? <laughs> kind of an important one. She is oh, so, kind of. I mean, the character is different from it is in the books. But yes. just for the film, yes. she is perfect. That is exactly what Spot they needed Umbridge to be in this film. Exactly. It's, yeah, um, it's stunning role. <laughs> casting in this film was just some of the best casting I think that's happened in the entire series mm-hmm. happened in this film. With Since Ivana, Lockhart, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Like Ivana, Imelda Staunton, Staunton, Helena Bonham Carter, just all of them. Perfect. Ace. Ace. Right on. And uh, speaking of right on, we have another caller. Hello, caller. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Um, I'm Casey. 
I'm in California, and I'm Bentwing Snidget right now on the chat. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, Bentwing Snidget. You're the one who came up with my, our shipping name, right? Yes. <laughs> Denial. Yes. I just, I just had a question kind of relating to that. Um, I was wondering what you guys thought of Daniel's acting in this film. I mean, I know Michael likes his wardrobe, but... <laughs> Michael likes I more than just his wardrobe. Him. Yes, I do. And I, I would steal that wardrobe. And if he was wearing it, I would steal him in it as well. So. <laughs> I <laughs> just think saying. this is a very difficult film to him, for him to act. Um, just some of the things that he has to do from the director's decisions um, are a bit strange. Um, yeah. But I think he, he, he does the best that he could with that. Um, but there's so much awkward twitching, and it's just <laughs> off-putting. All the oh. neck rubbing, like, yeah. is this like it's a movie so about a, a masseuse? Like, like, <laughs> I don't get it. it. I mean, okay, it's not the worst. Um, although I can, I always kind of think about this is you know because he's come out and said before that filming Half Blood, you know, he was drunk a lot of the time and yeah. had a really rough. And I can kind of see the spiral in this movie. Um. Mm. Is, doesn't this take place when he was doing Equus? Um, because he's super, sure. super, 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 super skinny. I thought he did Equus after that. I thought yeah. he did it in the gap between the two. Right, but he would be losing weight and getting in shape at this point. Probably, yeah. Okay, yeah. which which kind of shows. Because um, he looks just a little, like, gaunt and a little skinny and yeah. a little a little off. Um, yeah. Definitely not the Harry we read about who eventually fits in Dudley's clothes. No. Um, and I think, you know, there is so much emotion in the book. There, like, this is the angsty Harry and the sassy Harry thing where we're constantly kind of flipping between the two. But Daniel's acting in, in this film, like, there are several moments where we were kind of wanting him to be yelling and then he didn't. And then there were several moments where we didn't want him to be yelling, but he was. And it's just there are some odd things going on That's where it's not quite realistic, I think. That's kind of my, people are going to hate me. Um, it's kind of my problem with Dan Radcliffe a lot of the time in these movies is I feel like he's so wooden. Yeah. He's so just kind of there sometimes. I mean, he's got really great moments, especially near the end of the series, but yeah, it just, it, there's no emotion. You know why I things. think that is too, and that's why I brought up Equus, is that I think the stage really changed to Dan. And it definitely made him grow and be oh, yeah. more animated and more comfortable with himself. Yeah. That's why I think um, mm-hmm. the later movies, obviously he's also older and he knows more of what he's doing. But um, It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's just so much, he's so much more alive in yeah. the later movies. He he doesn't feel stiff and awkward and kind of like he's, he's nervous to do anything. Yeah. Um, and I think that has a large part to do with his time on stage, which is why I'm so yeah. thrilled that he did. Yeah. He did that. And I hope he continues to do that because he is a brilliant actor now. He's yeah, amazing. Yeah, if he's you've seen any so of his other work, yeah. he's, he's incredible. So. The Equus yeah. was February 2007, and this movie obviously wrapped at the, in November 2006. So yeah, it was Equus was after this film. It was after. Um, but this was the preparatory time probably yeah, for yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, Dan is also working with a really, again, rough script here. Mm-hmm. Um, compared yeah. to like, the, and and he'll get better. You know, I think he really he takes the lead excellently in death in both Deathly Hallows. I think that's when he finally really shoulders the burden of a lead really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's yeah he's still struggling here. But again, it's not not all of it's his fault. I mean, I'm sure there were probably different ways that he approached various scenes, and Yates was like, no, no, we'll go with this one. Um, so. It's it's a mix of director and actor, which, you know, uh, interestingly, worth talking about one of the actors who was established in the series and whose character was changed a lot. Serious Black. Let's talk about mm. let's talk about him. <laughs> he has good hair in this film. <laughs> Great yes. hair, Great right? Hair. Like those curls are How do I get good. those? Like I know. I want I I said this in the chat, but I want his stylist's number. Really? Like, Between him and Emma Watson. I'm just like, like what yeah, what is that product? Ow. Yes. But as as was noted a lot in the chat, and uh listeners, feel free to call in with your thoughts especially on Sirius and mm-hmm. what was done with him. But uh he um he seems to have become very sympathetic and sweet. Um, pretty much he's the ideal. He's completely forgotten the torment of. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. meant to be all tormented and, and stuck in this house, or he's meant to be tormented because of his Azkaban past. But there's there's so nothing. He's just happy. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah. 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 Hey, everybody's we... pointing out in the chat. Even the dog was a different yeah. dog. Sirius than... <laughs> 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 has changed a lot. Yes, he um, has. So. We uh we have a caller, Lauren. Hello. Hi, this is um the giant squid too. Oh, lovely. Oh, hello. Hello. Thank you for Lauren. calling. Where are you calling from? Um, I'm in Georgia in the United States. Oh, okay. Well, what's your question? What do you want to discuss? Um, so serious. In the book, he's kind of an enormous jerk to Harry for a lot of the time, and then in yeah. the movie, he's this like really nice father figure, hugging him and having these sweet little moments. And I really agree with you guys when you say that. He he's much more sympathetic and people like him a lot more for Gary Oldman's portrayal. Thank you Oldman. very much. I yes. Said, yes. <laughs> yep. Lauren, do you think it's a good thing that the movies made him sympathetic for his, before his death? Or do you think it robs the movie in any way? Um, I think it's nice for the movie, but I don't know that it's accurate for the books. Do you know what I mean? Like it makes a nice movie, but it's not necessarily true to how he's supposed to be. Mm hmm. Yeah. Keeping in I mind, of course, fits, the... Go ahead, sorry, Ray. He fits the um, godfather role a bit more in, yeah. this, in the film. Yeah. Yes, um, In exactly. that kind of caring, nurturing father figure thing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then we've still got those unexplained things like the uh, nice one James line that's just completely out of nowhere. Exactly. And, it, yeah, it's just there are, again, issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that... But I do love Gary Oldman and, like, he is perfect for Sirius, in my opinion. 
So I yeah, <laughs> well, because we're keep, we have to keep in mind that again, things that were consequences from the previous movies. While Sirius is present in Goblet of Fire, he's a log in the movie in Goblet of Fire. And that's all. <laughs> yeah. That's all we've seen of him. That's his presence between a three log. and five. A log. So that's a serious a... log. <laughs> so to make up for his lack of presence, obviously the choice that was made was to make him more relatable and sympathetic. So that the people who perhaps haven't um, read the book or aren't as familiar might have a bit more of a shock when he is, of course, killed off. You, wait, you know what's funny about the log and goblet? It's burnt, so it's black. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Hilarious. Bad joke Saturday. Here we go. All right, we have we have another caller on the line. Hello, caller. Hello. Hi, which Hello. name were you calling from? Hey, I'm Alyssa. I'm calling from Florida, and I'm Rose Lumos on everything, I guess, on the chat, on the forum. Hello, Rose Lumos. Hello. <laughs> Good to talk to you. Uh, hi. Um, so I just got off of an ad, so hopefully I'm still on the same topic you guys are, but um, are okay. we still talking about serious? Yeah, serious. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of my things is, in the books, it's, I, I kind of like how weird and what they have a freak relationship, Harry and Sirius. You know, they're never really, like father, son, they're really like friends. They almost, almost seem to be on two different paths of conversation whenever they talk. And yeah. It's nice to see them be together in the movie, but it's also just not as faithful to I don't know, to the book as they should be, in my opinion. And also just the age yeah. difference that really kind of... I know he's a great actor, but maybe they should have looked for someone closer to the age range when they were casting. Yeah, that's that's something that uh, we pointed out during the film is, of course, that pretty much all of the adult actors are aged between five to ten years from their book counterparts. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think that is an accident partly as well, because if you think about the first movie, when they cast the actors for the Mirror of Error said scene, they didn't know how young James and Lily were when they mm. died. So, yeah. you know, that, that mm-hmm. was true. Yeah. They had to then subsequently age all of the other characters. Um but thinking about the way their relationship is different, um, I think that we needed to see Harry have a happy relationship um, outside of the school situation and outside of the Weasleys um, within this, pro- yeah, within this movie, so that he has something to fight for. Like from from this point onwards, he's kind of fighting for Sirius's memory and he's fighting for his parents' memory and all of that kind of stuff a bit more than he has been previously. Um, it's kind of another thing that, that the Death Eaters and that Voldemort have taken from him, so he has to fight to, to regain it or to, to find some stability. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think, I, I don't know if you guys agree, but it changes Sirius's death, him having that relationship and him being a happy character in this film rather than a tormented one. Because ha- Sirius's death in the book is something that kind of Harry blames himself for, but is actually not his fault. It's more perhaps Dumbledore's fault or perhaps Sirius's fault for being reckless. Whereas in the movie, you know, if, if Harry hadn't gone to... The... <laughs> it's his fault. It, it is yeah, his fault. fault. In the movie, it's his fault. <laughs> and I think yeah. that might be why they've put in Avada Kedavra as the the spell that Bellatrix uses in the movie so that it's kind of not his fault. That You know, mm-hmm. Bellatrix definitely did kill him in this scene. Um, yeah. But otherwise, you know, Sirius would never have been there if it wasn't for Harry. Mm-hmm. Like he's not he's he's there to save Harry and not to kind of get out of the house. Yeah, absolutely. Especially great. because yeah. he never like isn't it funny that creature 
is in the movie, but he's like not in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> you know, because like people are like, oh, but did he even talk to Creature? No, but Creature was super important to keep in the movie. So, yeah. Just okay. Like, odd yeah, so, choices. So here's the problem with that, as most of the uh, listeners probably know by now. But of course, Creature was completely cut from the script in the in, near the end of the near towards filming. Um, and Rowling said, "Ah, uh, 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 you need him." Which really, I don't know about that. There might have been ways to get around that. Yeah, because they uh, they like, oh God, like. <laughs> she wanted to keep him because of obviously his whole storyline in in um, Deathly Hallows, uh-huh. but then they didn't even use the storyline in I Deathly know. Hallows. Yeah, it, it ends up being Ugh. very gl- very much glossed over. So and I'm the- sorry, I'm being so loud, but I wanted that storyline so badly. No, well, because the consequence here is that Creature is shoehorned in um, with some reshoots because he was not meant to be in the film. Mm-hmm. And, but he had some really uh, nice alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> yes he does yeah he does have some he, he he's definitely striking in his appearance i think what's weird is in his first appearance he's shown to actually be attending to mrs black's portrait which we never see and she's yeah. talking to him you can actually hear it mm-hmm. um if you're listening oh. closely um but uh yeah but, but the actual <laughs> but portrait again, but they didn't have a budget for the portrait. serious isn't it like without all of yeah. the details to what yeah tormenting serious stuck in that house and, you know, the locket's not there and the cleaning the house and all of that storyline is cut as well. It's just... <laughs> also a giant mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Rose yeah. Loomis in the chat says, there should be a graveyard of Harry Potter plots that die between the books and the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So, yes, the... like, every subplot? <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, like we said in the scene when Sirius comes down the stairs and Harry's in the in the living room with with creature and he goes creature enough of your pile away with you and you're like and the point of that was yep nothing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no point just had to have him there um let's see what else can we talk about that we we talked about in the uh and and listeners feel free to call in with your thoughts on creature um please do uh oh you know what let's also talk about since we talked so much at length about serious and creature let's talk about another great character who's not so great in the movies professor lupin uh, Where'd you go, uh, Professor Lupin? <laughs> He's so underutilized. Yeah, I know. Oh God. Well, and it, what's weird? Something to... else at this point because he's just not there. Oh, Thulis. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm not sure what he was up to at the time, but it is. I feel especially frustrating because he is the key to picking Harry up yes. from the Dursleys. Yeah. Yes. And he is the only major character who is cut out from that scene. <laughs> yes. Um, and the yeah, trust it's is... all new people. I mean, except for uh, um, Moody, but... Moody, but... And no well, and you know the... the fact that this is actual Moody rather than... Actual Moody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we have a little bit of a gap there. And then, of course, we do see Lupin a few more times. He's at the he's at the, uh, Grim Old Place at, at dinner, and he has mm. one line. Um, and then <laughs> the most he's... important line <laughs> <laughs> of the whole th- of the whole scene, and uh, then he also is, of course, at the ministry at the end battling, and he, of course, has a big moment when he uh, holds Harry back. They did oh. keep that from. Healer and Trainer yes. says this movie should be Harry Potter and the Lack of Lupin. <laughs> that, but that I know Rosie dislikes it for some very strange reason. I love that silent moment where it all goes oh, silent and Lupin is hold like it's the only part of the whole movie that actually makes me feel something. 
Dan's face. Like I don't I don't care at all that Sirius is dead. I care about what's happening <laughs> with Harry and Lupin. Like I think it's, it's just that by that point I'm so disappointed that I'm just not <laughs> feeling it and therefore it doesn't work for me. Mm. It's pr- probably the most surprising moment of filmmaking in the yes. whole film. That's yeah. what I mean. It's the only thing that's made me feel anything. And it's like there's no sound. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Dan screaming. You don't hear it. Um, well, and they kind of like beautiful. <laughs> well, see, and they, I, I, I like it because they kind of put that si- they kind of put that subtle crescendo on his cry. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That that brings the sound back in. It's and it's, it's, it's not. It's, it's Helena's little laugh as she leaves the room that the sound comes. Back yes, in. and I I yeah. love that moment. Like it's and just the, the echoing of that laugh. Yeah, yeah. That works. I I thought that worked well. Just because again, it's probably it's the most surprising moment to me because it's like oh, this is like a film technique. Where have these been for the last two hours? <laughs> so, because again, the the important thing for me personally when I watch the Potter films is that I do like to look at them not only as adaptations, and this is important, I think, listeners, for the future of the Potter films and how they are analyzed. Yeah. Because they are not respect, the Potter films are not respected in the film community. Um, they are just seen as franchise material that makes money, cash cows, mm-hmm. Um but there is art, a lot of artistic merit in all of these films. Um. Mm-hmm. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Possibly why these films are... We were spoiled by these films. <laughs> Very much so. There was never a young adult adaptation like this. Um, That's true. And so it, it's important to go and look at these films, not only as adaptations, but as works of film. And uh, there's... It's, I think that helps take apart even why... Uh, fans of the books like or do not like the films um because i think to jump around from columbus's style to quaron's to newell's to yates you're gonna find a lot of major differences between them you know by the way for someone who says he can't roll his r's you you, you do quaron very good <laughs> quaron it's because i care yes you do I very you do it very quaron. good i know you do i know you do so but we're not talking about prisoner basketball um, no we're not <laughs> but let's see what what else can we discuss that was okay. Luna? We had a lot of points, Luna. of course, that came up in the chat. So. Luna, Luna, Luna. You want to talk about Denial. Luna? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yes. Let's talk. By about the way, Luna. by the way, I just wanted to say that um, I think it was Bent Wing, Schni- Bent Wing Snidget that came up with Denial, and I would like my own name. For me and Jason Isaacs, so come she, up yeah, with something fun. Ka- well at some point. 
Cat one Cat Watts one that's not a poor man too of her name and Lucius Malfoy because she doesn't like <laughs> Oh okay, so not Jason Catius. Isaacs as Lucius Malfoy, yes. Not, oh, was Catius. No, <laughs> no, no. Something with Jason Isaacs instead, please. The, the nail. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your friend's name with an L on the end. Yeah, it it, it, it kinda is, yeah. Oh, My friend, spelled is, a little backwards, but yeah. It, it pretty much is her name with an L on the end, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm very happy that I have a shipping name with Daniel Radcliffe. Now. You need to hashtag that every time you tweet now. Denail, denail, denail. You've got Kaysen. Kaysen. All right, cool. I'm down with that. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, oh, there's a very interesting one that I don't really know if I can say that Ben Wings Nidget put in there. How's it spelled? K I S A A C S. Kissax? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? How's this spelled? K I S A A C S. Pronounce it in your head. <laughs> I like Meowzix, though. I do too. That's good. Meowzix. Yeah, Meowzix. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Meowzix? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because of my last name. Got it. Oh. So, uh, let's talk about Luna, because Luna's Luna! a great addition. And everybody. There's pretty much no hate for Luna, which really there shouldn't be. I mean, how can there be? Really, though. Well, you know, I mean, she's got some wrong. she's got some bad hair at some points, but that's not her fault. <laughs> <laughs> so the the interesting we we noticed with the reread of Order of the Phoenix is actually Luna is not in the book very much. No, nope. um, she's not more no. in the films because she's so amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, she definitely takes presence in the a pretty good presence in the films. Um, to the to the I think the benefit. Of the films and her character, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah. What did you What did you guys like most about? What's your favorite? And I'm asking the listeners as much as my fellow hosts here. So please call in if you have thoughts on this. But favorite scenes, favorite moments from Ivana. You're just Definitely as same as I am. The forest. <laughs> Those all came at the same time. <laughs> mm. Yeah, where where people pointed out just wandering around in the forbidden forest with no shoes on, yeah, no shoes. in Scotland. <laughs> what? Like the fact that she wears Converse—that's pretty dope. Yeah, go Luna. That's that's why with, you know her and Harry were made for each other. They they both wear Converse. <laughs> They're Converse wearing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Someone pointed out this is the moment in this movie where the Luna and Neville shipping. Yes. Yeah. Started. For sure. Yep. They yeah, both like grab each other's hands like three times. Loon Loonville? Is that their Loonville? <laughs> Loonville, is that their ship name? Neluna? Or Nevna. 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 <laughs> Nevna, that's a cute one. Nevna. <laughs> so, but of course, yes. Love bottom. Ha ha. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Long good. Most people are saying their favorite scenes are the "you're just the same as I am" or the or the moment with the thestrals in the Thestrals. in the forest. Yeah. I think her, her also her her last scene with Harry is very well. It's done. beautiful. Yes, um, a good, a very striking scene. So yeah, Ivana just knocks it out of the park on this film. She just is Luna Lovegood, as Rowling had said. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, people are hashtagging love bottom. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so, um, and then. There's, I guess, I guess that kind of leads really well into um, her and the rest of the young cast. So, of course, we've got, you know, hints of Ginny. We've got Fred and George. But, of course, yes, we have a lot of the, we have a lot of the younger cast having to step up, I believe, in this film. Because they're, the, with the moments of the Dumbledore's army, uh, that's absolutely dominating, taking the film. Yeah, they finally get, like, scenes yes. and words. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Substantial scenes. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the Dumbledore's army. Thoughts on that, you guys? I love the DA. I've said this before, but the DA is my redeeming thing for this whole book. Um, mm. I love it. I love just, <laughs> yay. Hi, Rosie. Welcome back. back. <laughs> <laughs> um, just everything about it. And I love this kind of the montage of DA scenes they do in this film. That's probably the best part for me in this film is just everyone is awesome. <laughs> Ginny is kicking butt out there and being the Ginny from the books, actually, for once. Well, and, you know, <laughs> speaking of Ginny, probably one of her most striking moments is actually one where she doesn't have a line and a lot of people noticed it and pointed it out. It's mm-hmm. uh, the po- the Christmas practice at the very end when Harry's walking over to Cho. And yes. She Ginny has a lot of longing looks. Yes, yes, she just kind of turns her head and gives it a look. And it's the way that's done in the film, I actually like because it's not overtly in your face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you the bit on blink the bridge as well, it. where um, after the first DA yes. meeting, and yeah, yeah. Hermione says that Cho couldn't keep her eyes for you, and like Ginny gives this look. She just looks like, so oh. sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it's, it's, it's almost like uh, Bonnie Wright does an excellent job with Ginny when she doesn't have to say anything. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> her looks say it all, really. Um, and then Fred and George, of course, steal the show yes. with their moment. Is it, it, does it live up to what, what you guys wanted? Um, <laughs> it, yes, in some ways, no, in others. That I like the I like the fireworks. I like the moment, the little flying and all that. But I really miss Peeves. Yeah, yeah. And I miss I miss kind of them. Obviously, there's there's blatant defiance, but I miss the umbrage angle of the defiance. Yeah. I miss you the know? Build up. sticking up for the the rebellion of the students and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Although that Flitwick, like, yep. uh, that <laughs> yep. is like yep. the best single moment in yep. that movie. <laughs> yep, it's amazing. Well, I, I miss the. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh no, I was gonna, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I miss the the build up to why friend George leave. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. in the book, we've got that throughout the entire school year. I mean, they're like, we don't want to be here, but yeah. we're here. And then well, that, like, I mean, and leaving. it makes sense. It makes sense that it's cut since we never find out yeah. how they open the shop. And you again, know, Harry never gives them their money. For people that have read the books, like we see the Skyving snack boxes, we see all of those kind of mm-hmm. little details so that if you have read the book, you can put the pieces together. But without it, you just kind of go, oh, they've gone. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think that's that's a problem that we noted with, with as we were watching that this movie introduces, like, okay, like the book where, and we'll get to this, where Grop is introduced and then two chapters later he is used. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much the whole movie where something is introduced and immediately paid off. Yeah. Um, so, and that definitely happens with Fred and George. It's like the scene right before they leave is the scene where they're like, we should leave. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that continues to happen quite a bit, uh, throughout this film, which I think might be actually one of the problems with it. The other thing worth noting listeners that we didn't mention before, another new person who came on this film was the screenwriter. This is not Steve Cloves, and I think a lot of you in the chat thought it was. This is Michael Goldenberg. He's new. <sighs> so um, random. Yet another person who didn't have a lot of experience. He had been, his best known thing prior to Order of the Phoenix was the 2003 Peter Pan. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he hasn't quite done anything big since. Um, so that's Michael Goldenberg, and you can definitely, again, tell that there is a difference in the screenwriting, I think, as well. It seems odd to me that they brought in so many kind of 
untested people at this point in the franchise. At this point, yeah. right? Yeah. I know. Like, this is Crazy. where it's getting big. Like, why would you not use the bigger people now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and maybe get somebody who is a bit more on the trustworthy side. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's yeah. definitely a big risk for a studio like Warner Brothers to go with an unknown for this. Yeah. Um, in so many different areas, like you said. Well, um... um... I think filming of- there were a lot of little details that were very good though and I think that we picked up on a few of those things throughout the the film watch like we had the steps of authority with the fight um between Umbridge and McGonagall where they were kind of stepping up and down on the steps and having that discussion about who was kind of winning the argument at the time I really like that I, detail I mean I love that moment but we uh we actually have another caller okay. on the line hello caller hi hi what's your name where are you calling from uh, my name is Maurice, and I'm calling from Texas. Oh, great. Yep. You have a question, comment, grievance? <laughs> well, I want to say um, Order of the Phoenix is my favorite movie, along with Prisoner and Part 1 of Deadly Hallows. Okay. And I want to say maybe they're all pretty much similar, but I want to say I do have an issue with the script in this movie, though. I do think you guys have a point in talking about the script, and I think it's because um, Steve Close, it's the first time that he took a break from writing the script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was uh, Goldenberg, I think, the one that wrote the script for this one. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do think that if they had done a, a split with uh, this movie, maybe it would have helped a lot. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me that we're saying that the split might work here because actually, I, despite my grievances with Order of the Phoenix, I can't see a split making it better. I almost because the film as it turned out is very plotting and the book is very plotting um it's it's hard to boost this book and make it popcorn fun well bent wing snidget actually in the chat is saying that now the jkr is delving into screenwriting you know they would be curious (laughs) to see how her movies would turn out and you know what so would i great timing (laughs) rolling on that (laughs) (laughs) but i still i don't think that cutting this movie in half like into two this book into two movies would help i think it was just they needed to make better choices about what they did cut and about what they did leave in cut warp get rid of that whole thing like yeah. completely unnecessary get rid of creature i guess get rid of the things that aren't necessary and actually I mean, include the bits that make sense we need creature if creature was going to pay off i'd yeah, be fine yeah. with creature but if he didn't pay off cut him yeah put you know, dobby back in cuz i'm sorry i love dobby um <laughs> and just rearrange some of the scenes would make yeah, it better as yeah. well i think yeah, yeah. As, as, as we as talk we about, talk about this, listeners, listeners, please, please, this, this is going to probably, probably be the biggest, biggest topic we have today. With this. With this. Please, call please call in and tell us what scenes that you would like to have kept, kept in, or, or which ones you actually think should have been cut from where they were in the film. Because we would love to hear your thoughts on that. I think I think I think unanimously, Rob should have should have. We all we all should have been excised from the film. Uh, uh, I, I, I think there's more in the department of mysteries i definitely agree i wanted yes, to see yes. more of that it's the department is still a mystery for us having watched that film yeah go ahead go ahead allison oh sorry i was just gonna say i think one of the problems is and some people in chat have mentioned, mentioned this, this is we, we didn't have, have a full series yet which, which is, is kind of the whole problem, problem with all, all these books, books in general, or, or movies in general, general the first few is we didn't we didn't know what was what was happening at the, at the end. end. We didn't, we didn't know, know where we were leading to. So, so it, it's, it's kind of hard to make. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Those choices, some, some of those choices, choices like the, like the um, creature, creature thing. thing. Unless, Unless you know what's coming, coming up. up. You know yeah, what. And, and, yeah, that's, and, the, and, that's, the and that's the problem with movies being made while the books are still, are still being, written. being written. I understand, I understand why, they why they did it. It was a phenomenon. They hit it at the right time. That's great and all and well. I would be okay I would be with okay them. With them not, you know, not, you know, if they decided, if they decided to redo them in another years, twenty years, like, that's, like cool. that's cool. Or they could have just, they could have just waited until the books were done. That would have been cool yeah. too. You know, um, you know. Um, Ooh, healer, 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 Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the world screams <laughs> and, and, and dies on them. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like the twins, like we said before, could have just been properly handled rather than cut. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think yeah. that's actually kind of necessary. And I and um, I do agree. And I do agree. Rose Lumos is saying that um, the, the non non Marietta was actually a good choice because, because, because it was a good it was a good way to break up Harry and Joe. I agree with I that. Agree with that. Um, it would have been it great, been if, great they if they'd written sneak, sneak on her face. face but it's alright. It's alright. Yeah, I. It was the yeah the Right. Right. See, that's that's that's, that's my thing. Is that I I think it was a good way to deal with it by merging them, but I don't think it was written well. Right. Because right. the the point where you, where you get, get the information that it's not Joe's fault is so past the point where you care. Yeah. Because like like it's Snape just dropping that line like oh the last of those ceremonies you and Joe Chang. I'm like who cares? That's the one bit where it didn't pay off straight away. The one thing yeah that is subtly written in and it's written very very badly. badly and of course, of course you know that you know that completely changes, changes the harry, the harry cho, cho relationship, relationship and dynamic exactly. films because because um, there's there's cho's not cho's not so, so weepy, weepy as she just, just is, is long banged and around, and around. That, that those bang yeah. guys yeah. wow, wow. <laughs> 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 choice choices were made, were made. <laughs> Silver 171 says that st mungo's hospital should have been included and i definitely agree with that that whole thing uh, yeah. and then they shoehorned the neville story in afterwards when they could have just actually included it and and brought um yes love good back as well not love good um lockhart yeah lockhart sorry my brain's gone yeah. right now um that, that would have been i i love that sequence in, in, in st mungo's and it would have been so perfect to include it again here yeah even yeah. even if um they didn't have lockhart that yeah. scene could have mm-hmm. and should have been in the movies mm-hmm. because and, and still, it would have given them a lot of material to play with later with the could have been yeah. storyline yeah. for Neville, mm-hmm. um, which is so important. It's so important. Yeah, the, that that's the upsetting thing, I think, with even bothering to include that backstory on Neville is that it goes nowhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. In yeah. The films. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's another thing that ends up being purposeless. And I think I think the consequence with the, the reason that we lose those scenes like going to the to the hospital and whatnot is because the. Unfortunately, I think that's a logistical thing. Of, we can't build so many sets, so we're just not going to build that set. We're just oh come on! They spent that. like three hundred thirty million dollars making well, this. I, I don't know how much and, they made, but you know what I mean. The, that's the amazing thing about the Harry Potter films. No matter how much they raked in, and no ma- matter how much 
you know, I think we think they could have spent on it. There was definitely, they were definitely very mindful about the budget, um, which I think is very much evidenced in Deathly Hallows Part 2, but we'll get there. Um, uh, yes, the giant squid, thank you. They did cut out almost the entire entirety of my favorite chapter. Yes. And that is yes. a very big, big deal. Yes. You're yep. right. Also, huge well, plot hole. Ugh, um, McGonagall and Hagrid are still at Hogwarts. So why does Harry feel like he has to take everything by himself? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's a that, okay, and that's that leads into what? another discussion that's related to this one, which is the 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 use of the already established adult actors. Mm-hmm. What happened? Because <laughs> uh. once we get to Hogwarts, McGonagall, this is her shining book. I think we've all agreed on that. Caleb definitely would if he was here. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, she is reduced to that st- scene on the steps and the up and down and up and down, and then she's done. I wonder if this is where she starts getting ill. When did she have cancer? Oh. Around this time, I believe. Yeah, because I, I think like some of the, yeah. the shots we've seen of her kind of being looked after by Dan, I mm-hmm. think that was around this film as well. So I think this is maybe why her her role was scaled back slightly um, mm. to make way for that. There well, is photographic yeah, evidence sense. that there was a scene where she was reading The Prophet yes. after... <laughs> she's, one, she's yeah, one of those forty-five minutes of cutscenes. Yeah, so she there. There was some more filmed with her. It just didn't stay. Um, I think, of course, as we mentioned, Hagrid is also severely shafted mm-hmm. by this movie. Yep. Um, not yep. only is he included in about one scene, but it's the one that we don't want in the movie. So. <laughs> uh, we we uh we have a caller. Hello, caller. Hi. Hi, who, who, who are you? What's what's your name? Where are you mm-hmm. from? Uh, my name is Rebecca. I'm Rebecca the Ravenclaw on the on everywhere. Hello, hey, Rebecca the Ravenclaw. Hi. I saw Hello. last night you just made Hi. your triumphant return to the to the main site. Yes. Oh <laughs> Welcome gosh, back. Yes. It's been so long. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yes. So what yeah. what were you, what are your thoughts, Rebecca? Um, well, I don't really know where we are right now because I muted the the thing. But um, you were asking about. Um, things that we wish would have been in and yes, please, the adult please, characters please. yeah, the adult mm-hmm. characters not getting enough time um, I wish that there was the um, career advice thing in McGonagall's office, that yeah. was like a big deal for me and I came to the series so late I was way after, like I read the movies after this movie, or I read the books after this movie, so I was like super confused when I watched this movie. I was the person going, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> and no idea what was going on. And when I read the books, I was like, whoa, there's so much here. There's so much more here. And yeah. now that I'm rewatching the movies after reading the books, it's like, ah, I wish that was in. That's really sucky that they cut that. And there's, it just feels like there's so many places that they could have added things and they chose to, put in more flashy stuff and it's like well that's not really what the book is like so even know. just to have a biscuit potter line would have been perfect yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that, that and yeah just like the the um mcgonagall umbridge kind of battling it out stuff that is so missed here because you really only get the scene on the stairs and in yeah. the book it's much more to the point where you know, Umbridge is taking five people to Hagrid's house to, like, arrest him or whatever she's 
planning on. And then they like fire at McGonagall. And it, and when I read that in the book, I'm like, what is going on here? Like this was not in the movie. So for people who, I mean, I don't know if I'm that big of a percentage of the population. I think a lot of people read the books and then watch the movies, but going the other way around, it's a huge shock to read so much stuff. That's like, okay, this is not even barely touched on in the movie. Why, why is this? So many things are cut out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. I yep. think, I think, yeah, with, with McGonagall, I think it's the most offensive to, to fans definitely because she is so important in the book and, uh, the things and and like you said, Allison, it ends up creating a giant plot hole. Of there's still yep. plenty of authority figures left at school, so why do we why do we have to run into the forest and not tell anybody? Um, definitely some problems with that. Cat, by the way, how are we doing on on time here? Um, we are an hour and fifteen minutes in. Yeah, okay. or so. So we're yeah. okay. We we got another I don't know fifteen twenty minutes to wrap it up. Okay, so maybe let's go to the ministry because we haven't gone there yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I would say first thing, in my opinion, I I, I I don't know if you ladies agree, but um, a fantastic set. Yes, yes. gorgeous. Yes, gorgeous. Yeah. Outstanding uh-huh. set. Very green. Nice. Almost <laughs> like the. It's almost like they took the exact uh, de- uh, de- description in the book and then built on it. Um. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Oh, and I see we have a we have another caller, huh? We do. Hello. Hi. Uh, this is uh, Queen Silver 171 from the chat and the forum. Hello. Um, but my name Hello. is Kristen. Hello. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Um, sorry, this is sort of off topic, but I kind of noticed an inconsistency in, in the books, actually, um, okay. when I was watching this movie. Um, well, when Bellatrix gets broken out of Azkaban um, and the rest of the Death Eaters, um, they all seem to get their wands back. Um Yes. And I was just wondering why why wouldn't the Ministry of Magic have disposed of their wands or uh, gotten them away somehow? I mean, Hagrid gets his wand broken when he's kicked out of Hogwarts, but um, that is true. And we know it's Bellatrix's wand because Ollivander um, uh, he he uh, sees the wand and he marks it yeah. as Bellatrix. Isn't um. I feel like we learned something about that, like that. I'm, I'm not sure we do, but the, I mean, we know that the the they were broken out of Azkaban with force, and like if if their wands were held close to where they were being kept, not obviously within the cells or anything, but if they were somewhere nearby, then perhaps they could have picked them up on Maybe. the way, or they could have been re- reunited with their wand somehow that way how, how do how do we don't know that they're the original wands of those people that is true they could yeah, be, new, could ones. be new ones yeah, yeah I, I see thestrals just said they just went to olivander's yeah <laughs> well because yeah. later on yeah. later on olivander <laughs> is forced to make new wands for people yeah um, oh that's true but i don't think I just, he, um... he hasn't been taken yet has he no mm-mm. no the only one that we actually find out that kind of gets covered, and it's not it's not in the books, I think it's covered actually later, is that Rowling confirmed that um, Peter Pettigrew uh, went and got Voldemort's wand from the wreckage of the Potter's house because he thought right. he would curry favor with Voldemort. So that's the one wand we know is covered, um, <laughs> obviously for very important reasons. But yeah, no, there's definitely a kind of gap there, especially they because... They should be broken, really. Yeah, well, yeah, because they they the the ministry says they're going to break Harry's wand 
for a second breach of magic. And we know how easy it is to snap a wand. Deathly Hallows Part 2. Stop it. Sorry, sorry. We'll get there. Um, We'll get there. But to go back to the ministry... Um, thoughts on, on the scenes that we get in the ministry, both the beginning and the end. Uh, I know the disappointment is that, of course, we didn't get the various rooms in the ministry. Yeah. Do you think think they were necessary or do you think think they they were written so cinematically that it would have been amazing to see them? Yes. But they are Mm. unnecessary details within the plot. Mm. Um, They help world build, but they don't really do anything for the plot, which is, except for breaking the time turners, but... Yeah, right, which isn't an issue in the movies because it never, ever, ever comes up again. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. retroactively, the fandom, the, especially the fandom who watches who watch the movies first or perhaps only the movies, um, definitely there is still a complaint that the yes. Time Turners should be able to yeah. remedy everything. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, you know, the interesting thing to me is because the, the brain room apparently made it to a, to a later version of the script. Um, it, it got pretty close to being filmed and then it got cut. And, and I... That would have been something for Ron to do, which they obviously couldn't include. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I think, because what I feel is lost from get, cutting these scenes is that the ministry just doesn't feel that intimidating to me. Yeah. No. The whole, um, I've got scars line in, in the later books and all of that kind of, he's been through it too, it's not all about Harry. All of that angst mm-hmm. is not included because we haven't seen Ron go through anything that Harry hasn't. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, well, right. you know, and I, I, I said in the chat and that this, this is a problem that all the movies, I think, have. This is not the first time Ron's been kind of pushed Don't out of mind. the films and and it's because the script the screens uh, the script for each movie decided to give all of his informative lines about the wizarding world to hermione yeah yeah where she was mm-hmm. her eyebrows will steal your lines from left and right <laughs> um <laughs> no one is safe but uh i think hermione ends up filling that role so then ron is purely left to be comic relief and the sympathetic friend yeah so oh. sad and um, just real quickly, I wanted to address this. A lot of people in the chat are talking about um, how they'd love the next part of the Wizarding World to be the Ministry of Magic mm-hmm. um, and how that's a rumor going around. The only place that that came from is um, Alan Gilmore, who is the art director on the Potter films and at the Wizarding World, said that that's what he would really love to see. I'm not sure how valid it is. I personally, I could it think seems of other like the things. Most, well, but, yeah. It seems like the most logical next place to go. But sure would be quite the undertaking since it all had to be would have to be underground. So, oh my god, <laughs> right? Wow, right. There exactly. Is a bit of the ministry in the studio tour, if you've ever managed to go there. So you can, yeah, the yes, one little slip of it, right? Yes, yeah. and if you go to <laughs> and if you go to the Wizarding World, you can step into the telephone booth. <laughs> yeah, it does nothing, but yeah, it does nothing. Yeah. Speaking of the telephone booth, we have yeah. a <laughs> caller. <laughs> Hello, Kala. Hi, how are you guys? Excellent. How are you? Good. How are you? How are you? What's your Pretty name? Good. Where are you from? And how are you? 
I'm good. Uh, my name is Amber. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, okay. Cool. What are your thoughts, Amber? What, what do you want to talk about? Um, I know there's a lot of discussion about um, how a lot of the characterization was kind of messed up in the movie and the translation. Um, there's a lot of characters cut. Um, which character do you guys do you guys think suffered the most, and what scene from the book do you think would have fixed it? Ooh, that is Ooh, an good question. excellent question. Hmm. Ooh. Um, Who wants to go first? Are we talking or this film in particular? What? I think we're talking about this film in particular. Yes. Okay. Uh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. <laughs> uh, Dumbledore is rubbish. I hate Dumbledore. <laughs> he's just—he's—he's he's so bad. Um, and the scene that would improve it is the whole redeeming conversation at the end of the book. <laughs> um, yeah. We get that kind of tiny scene where Harry is practically crying in the office and there's just nothing, no similarities between that scene and the, the one in the book. No. We get no, none of the explanation. Um, and I mean, the, this whole book, when it was marketed, was marketed with that line, it's time, Harry, for me to tell you what I should have told you all that time ago, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing relies on that conversation between Harry and Dumbledore. And that is not in this film. Yeah, it's pretty and much that the whole, is the point, whole of the point of the book. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's not yeah. in the film, what is the point of this film? But you know what? You know, okay, so there's already some hate going on for Gambin in the uh, chat here. Let, let, let's just remember, kids, that, you know, he doesn't write the script. He's a <laughs> very good actor. No, he's he did not. not put his name in the Goblet of Fire. Right. He is not Richard Harris. <laughs> yes, you know what? That's okay. But I, I think it. It's also worth remembering that Gambon went out of his way because he just does that, I think, in everything to kind of piss people off a little bit because he intentionally did not read the books. <laughs> right. Um, he was like, yeah. that's not my job. My job is to read the script. And I think in this particular case, while that is a fair argument from an actor, mm -hmm. um, I think in this particular case, it does hinder his characterization of yeah. Dumbledore because yeah. because he doesn't know the book's approach he interprets the lines in a way that of course the fans but view I is incorrect. But I do have to say that this is not my least favorite thing that he has done with the role. <laughs> my least favorite thing happens in the next movie so we can skip over this. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean so but there were other actors I'm sure who did not read the books. Yeah. Oh absolutely. Um, it's just he gets hate because of that one crap line in Goblet of Fire, which admittedly is crap. Um, but then, you know, you you flip to the other side where there were actors like Thulis and Isaacs who were like, I love the books. I embrace them fully. And they like they follow me past like, you know, the movies. And, and I embrace him fully. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice long walk with Jason Isaacs. Ah, that sounds um, lovely. But OK, Kat, what what character do you think would could serve from getting a revised scene and in who this suffered film, the most yeah <laughs> i mean i want my chapter yeah so I, so it, dumbledore and harry i guess yeah i mean but but i just want my chapter which <laughs> chapter <laughs> um but Dumbledore was was fine for me he didn't super bother me in this movie but i, I mean i do want that um um yes yes oh that's hard i allison you've got one in mind while cat's thinking yeah mcgonagall Ooh. would so which 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 of her scenes if you could only choose one would you add back in to fix her? career advice career advice yeah yeah absolutely 
I'd or, say. I mean, I do also really like when they're attacking Hagrid, but career advice. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's so much that's missing. <laughs> <laughs> ben Wink Snidget just said in the chat, oh, where'd it go? It was so funny. Tom Felton, um, mentioning that Tom Felton and his approach to the character of, of Malfoy. And when Ben Wink Snidget said that, I was like, oh, yeah, Malfoy's in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh my god for like half of a second for total. two seconds yeah they kind of relegate well yeah they relegate malfoy with the inquisitorial squad and filch to kind of the a very charlie chaplin-esque comedic sequence with yeah. the da um that's pretty much all he gets um gosh this is that was a really good question it's such a hard question for me because there's so many to answer <laughs> Honks i'd well. say Honks you can't say lupin right no i i won't i wouldn't say lupin because he's just even though i love him and he's fantastic he gets shafted royally shafted in the books just as much as the movies so i can't really say with him i the lupin chronicles i'm telling you (laughs) i would say gosh and i don't want to say ron because i feel that that's been a consequence for him since the beginning um but uh, interestingly, the ones that I thought, and they're secondary characters, but it really does bother me because of the way that they're yes. included and portrayed. The centaurs are such a train wreck. Yeah. Um, what was going on? Because it's just like, again, things that are shoved in at the very last minute and then paid off right after they're shoved in. And I think it's another um, case of over-reliance on CGI. Like, they are meant yes. to be more humanoid than they are. And it would be so much easier if you actually film people. No. Which is interesting because if you pick up the uh, the the new uh, Creature Vault book with all of the information on the creatures from Harry Potter, the intention was to actually go with a more humanized animal approach. That's what they thought they were doing, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't quite come off that way. And I mentioned this before, but man, Chronicles of Narnia had some awesome centaurs, yeah. and even I like don't... going old school and uh, like Xena Warrior Princess centaurs in that are amazing <laughs> <laughs> and that was 20 years ago yeah. now. we had we've had examples of better centaurs yes so that that for me was a disappointment <laughs> i think though as far as a major character and i it's weird that i keep coming back to it but i guess harry <laughs> oddly enough yeah um because he's just it's like i feel that dan was up to it but they weren't giving him the chance because it's just, again, and we notice this in pretty much every scene where he's supposed to be yelling, where he's just like, I'm going to yell, but I'm not going to yell. I want to yell, but no. (laughs) And then that's pretty Uh, much all of his angry scenes. I I have a question. So let's pretend Steve Clovis was around. Mm -hmm. Um, How different would this movie be? Very you think so? Because, I mean, he's proven that he's not afraid to cut out the good stuff. But I mean, I hello, he Half-Blood Prince and all the memories. I think the the problem with the whole introducing an idea and it paying off immediately and that kind of pacing issue and the the kind of lacking the details in the correct places would have been solved with, with Clovis involved. Seriously? I think he's got a better That's idea of the, the, the overall... Thing. Kind of feel of the movies wow um, that was just lacking from this one where was he at this point what was his lame excuse for not doing it he was tired and he wanted to do something else that was pretty much his exact excuse was I'm... wait what for real yeah he was tired and he wanted lame. to try another project lame <laughs> well and of course that didn't last long because he came back right afterwards um yeah but I mean, uh, yeah i think 
It's it it's interesting, Kat, that you posit that because I am wondering if it would have been that different with Clovis because he also, yeah, like you said, made some pretty bizarre choices in what he cut, especially considering that he claims that he knew more than anybody before the books were released. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it depends on who cut it. If it was in the in the script and then it was cut because of time or like the Quidditch with um, Tiana dropping out or mm-hmm. if it was things. I mean, we don't we won't ever really know. I mean, I suppose we could dig around and ask, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say whose choices it was to leave it out. For all we know, I mean, it has been said that this was a three hour and ten minute movie before that forty five minutes was cut. Well, yeah, and again, we longest book. One of the shortest movies in the series. Second to last shortest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what's going on there? Yeah, that was... Not, that's a bit offensive in many yeah. respects. I had to point out, too, before we kind of start wrapping up yeah. the discussion here, that um, I see Thestrals had a great observation during the chat um, of the spiraling out of control. Yeah. Um, so many staircases. <laughs> yes. And Allison noticed early on that there are a lot of aerial shots in this film. <laughs> um, and I think that, that that's, there's a bit of filmmaking right there for you. Um, that idea that the, 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 the spirals is a motif in the film. I think that's a great suggestion. Um, I see Thestrals, you get film student points for that. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and yeah, I think before we wrap up, we have one more time, uh, uh, a chance for one or two more callers. If you guys want to give us a call, you know, 206-462-5287 or MN on Skype. Give us your last thoughts on Order of the Phoenix because we ain't going to talk about it no more. I'm going to talk about it. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm super excited for Half-Blood. So. Michael and I are just running away from Order of the Phoenix. Like the movie. The movie yeah, is yes. running away from itself. I do run, run, run. I do run, run. So, <laughs> so and, 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 you know, that's that's something worth talking about with this the movie running to its conclusion, um, the conclusion itself. All you need is love. <laughs> love. <laughs> yep, indeed. That, Pretty much a lot the of whole people, thing. <laughs> yeah, yep. everybody, everybody said that is the most Disney ending they could have. And I think that I think that is an insult to some really great Disney movies out there, you guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just thinking about the Oscars that MuggleNet did about. Um, it was in 2013, I believe, with the corny and, ending, right? Yeah, we had best corny line. Yep. Yeah, and um, that one I think came in uh, third place, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one that won, I believe, Everything's going to change now, isn't it? Is I can't remember oh, the exact yeah, results, but win? I think um, I Love Magic oh, won. Okay. Yeah. So. Yes. I yeah. Love Magic? I love Yeah. God. So. Yeah. It was... It's, this, I think the most offensive thing about this particular ending is that it's just so quick. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's no substance mm-hmm. to that ending. Um, it's like, oh, which of it, course, it doesn't end in the fight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, I think the the thing that was so funny for me pretty much every time I watched this film was when Harry says, when, you know, when Ron says, oh, yeah, what's that? And Harry's like, something worth fighting for. And I'm like, what is, what is the thing worth fighting for? <laughs> oh, you're being poetic. Like, right. Voldemort has nothing oh, worth fighting ooh, for. Oh, ooh, 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 ooh. I thought of a, another um, scene and thing that I want back in. Okay. Yes. Oh, yes? Um, um, Snape and his memories. Yes, like the actual ones. Yeah, I think just because that it's such it's so choppy the way it's done, right? 
Yeah, it's pooey. More it's Robbie Jarvis, please. <laughs> the, <laughs> the scene that we get in Deathly Hallows when Snape dies, I don't think we would have had that gorgeous sequence if we had had a better Snape's worst memory in this film. Because mm. That's true. Yeah, and that so is much like my fit into that because this one was so poor. That I yeah, and that is it. like my favorite five minutes of the entire yeah. film series. Yeah. So, but it did need more. Hello, oh, hello. Hi, I'm uh, Golden Shit Seven on the chat. Hello, and I, I was just, I was just wondering, um, have you guys seen the picture where Harry, instead of saying something worth fighting for, he says noses? I feel like that would have fit into the movie pretty well because. Voldemort doesn't have a nose. <laughs> <laughs> Voldemort doesn't even have a nose worth fighting for. Oh, the memes. Um, it, wait, what? Um, oh, someone commented in the chat earlier about how Voldy was holding his breath when I was in the water, and I was like, it's not like he can pinch his nose. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. true. Yeah, well, and I think the, the thing that all the movies struggled with, possibly the only one that I, I feel so, did it more successfully than than the others was the ending. I think Half Blood Prince is one of the few that actually ends pretty well and on a yeah. appropriately somber tone compared yes. to the other films. Yes. Um, the other films are very afraid to end somberly, and so they they will always tack on and ending yeah. with the trio being like, "Oh, life's life's great, right?" Well, not yeah, part one. Part one does not end like that. <laughs> well, and I don't really think about part one in that way because it's it's a part one. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's meant to lead into the into part two, um, but but yeah, I, uh, this this ending is probably the one that's the most tacked on. I feel because it's just yeah. gotta get gotta make sure the audience leaves yeah. happy, and then we'll and then we'll show the credits with the fireworks music because that's the only happy track on the soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> just thinking about the fight and everything. We, I, you know, I want to talk about Voldy for a minute before we do wrap it up. Um, obviously, like. Ray Fiennes, amazing, mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Yes. How, what did you guys think about that whole sequence? The fight? Yeah. It's very true to the book. It's pretty yeah. excellent interpretation yeah. of the book. I I, 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 I used statue. to be, yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah. I used to be upset about the statues being cut, but I see why. Yeah. It, um, um, I think it would have been distracting. It feels a little point. static to me. I feel like no one really moves at all very much. But I mean, as I mean, I, I think Harry points out later on, he learns that, you know, good magic necessarily isn't flashy yeah. and all about the bangs and the booms. Um, no, it's just about so stealing I, water from fountains and destroying <laughs> glass. But I love it because they're manipulating the elements, which yeah. I think is yeah. so yeah. awesome. Yeah. Davy B. So Jones awesome. said this is the fight is the best fight in the film series as a whole. And yeah. I'm inclined to agree because yeah, I think the characters especially... have more to utilize from the surroundings than they do in yeah. say the the final mm-hmm. fight in um, yeah. Deathly Hallows where they've just got kind of bits of rubble around, like which is yeah. BS because ugh, no. let's not even talk about we'll that scene. Oh, we'll, we'll we'll get there, but I think after this fight, yeah, there isn't really anything that lives up no. to this in the series, um, especially when there should have been a lot of fights that should have lived up to this one. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, I th- I think the only my only kind of thing that bothers me a little bit about the fight is that I I don't I feel like Yates was having a tough time trying to mesh his cinematography with an abundance of special effects because there's a really there's a subtle thing going on where Voldemort is trying to direct his spells at Harry and 
Dumbledore's deflecting him. And there's so much flashbang boom going on on the screen that the way that Yates put the angles, I just, it's really hard to tell what's happening yeah. all at once. Oh, yeah, yeah, at some point, the camera's a little too close. Yeah. So you kind of miss all of the surroundings and you're just like in, entranced in water or fire or yeah. whatever, ensconced, well, sorry. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm surprised, Kat, because I, I know, and you'll listeners, you'll know this from the, the uh, book wrap if you listen, make sure and listen to that. Cat doesn't like when things aren't centered. Um, That's true. Yates well, is kind of the king of not centering things n- okay. in his frames. So. Not in movies, but on book covers, it's kind of ridiculous. See, and the, it's the, that bothers me on film just because, and I'm all for unconventional filmmaking tactics, but I think Yates does it to the point where he loses the action sometimes or he loses the main mm. focus because he's trying to be a little uh, avant-garde with his camera, I guess. Yeah, you know what's ironic about that is, as a photographer, I almost never shoot people in the middle of a, in the middle of the uh, frame. <laughs> no, seriously, almost never. As a photographer, but, though, you need to use like the thirds rule, don't you? So you've got a bit. Well, more if you're taking like a conventional portrait, yeah. yeah. There's still a there still needs to be a, perhaps a sense of balance. Yeah, of yes. what's on exactly. the screen. Yeah. And and there's and, and I feel that sometimes Yates wasn't always quite on top of that, especially with order. I think he gets a lot better at it um, as the series goes on. He does, because, you know, and maybe let's talk just just very briefly about the fact that he's directing Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Um, how how given his progression, because, you know, as you said, he does get better. And Deathly Hallows Part One is my favorite of the films. Mm. Um, I think he does. A, I think he does a really great job. Um, are you guys looking forward to that? Yes. How do you, how, what are your thoughts? Just briefly while we wrap up. I still think we need more information about what's going to be in it. Because I'm not going to call it a Harry Potter movie until I know that it's got enough of that world in it for me to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. Okay. <laughs> Anyone else? I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. It's going to be different. But I think it's gonna be good. I'm I'm really thrilled to hear that they're bringing so much of the behind the scenes team back for this. Yeah. I think that's a really kind thing to do because that doesn't happen in movies, you guys. Kindness no, doesn't, doesn't happen in filmmaking, <laughs> <laughs> and and so this th- that's a phenomenal thing that the production team, so much of the production team has been called back on to help. And 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 even people who actually aren't working on the films are consulting because. I know for a fact somebody who worked on the films and is no longer working on the films, I won't say who, has gone back to Leavesden as of last week and is consulting on sets and things like that. So that's kind of exciting. I am, because there was a rumor before Yates that Cuaron was going to do it. And uh, Jake just actually said it in the chat, and I completely agree with this. No matter how you feel about Cuaron and his take on Prisoner of Azkaban, Quadron can come up with some pretty fantastic fantasy imagery. Yeah. And I think yes. Fantastic Beasts would be so suited to that. He Quadron comes from the same school of filmmaking as uh, Guillermo del Toro. For those of you who don't know, Guillermo del Toro, of course, did things like Pan's Hellboy Labyrinth. and Pan's Labyrinth. So creepy. Um, <laughs> and you would pretty much be getting that same visual look if he had directed Fantastic Beasts. So there's a, I, while I'm glad that Yates is doing it and that it's somebody familiar with the Harry Potter universe, intimately familiar, 
at the same time, I still I know there's going to be an element of what could have been for me when I watch it. I think I'll be yeah, interested the- to know if it's going to be child orientated or adult orientated, because who yeah, they're aiming it's, at? In, it's Fantastic yeah. Beasts, and it's a tiny little book, and it could easily go to you know How to Train Your Dragon style interesting oh, creatures. Oh God! <laughs> but and it could no, equally be as dark as the final books. So we've no really got pe- so little information about it. Yeah. No, people in the chat, I don't want Benedict Cumberbatch to play <laughs> <Snoots> Commander. <laughs> He's great. He's fantastic, but no. <laughs> yep. Only because I want to play Newt's Commander. <laughs> and so does Caleb, and so does Eric, and every other gentleman that I know. Right. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Though. I'm along the same lines. I, I like Yates, and I'm excited for um, now that he has the experience and knows the world. Um, and I like the fact that there is nothing to adapt yeah. There's, yeah. you know, yeah. there's that. They can't go wrong. Hopefully, forty-page book. <laughs> it's gonna have there's, to be. I'm story. not gonna be let down by the fact that you know some subplot was cut. So I am jazzed. I don't care who's in it, who's doing it. What a great episode! Yes. Yeah. Thank, thank you, listeners, so much for being our guests today and calling in with your thoughts. That you are what makes this show what it is. This uh, alone more definitely couldn't be. Uh, the show it is without your contributions. So. <laughs> Where are the phoenix is done? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, it yes, is. Done. Sorry. <laughs> I'm putting your tears in a bottle right now, Kat. I mean, I was sitting in a puddle before, <laughs> so it's okay. It just add to the puddle. We've only got two books left. Oh. How did we do <sighs> that? We've been doing this for so long. <laughs> we move on to Half-Blood Prince. And if you would like to be on the show for our Half-Blood Prince chapters, which are coming up very quickly... Um, make sure you check out our Beyond the Show page at elohmora.mugglenet.com. Um, don't need any fancy equipment, just a set of Apple headphones, and you're all good to go. And of course, don't forget, you can keep in touch with us on Twitter at MN, Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore, on Tumblr at Podcast. The phone number you have been graciously calling all day, 206-462-5287. And don't forget to leave us an audio boom. It's free. All you need is an internet connection. Um, leave us a message under 60 seconds. You can do it right over on Um, You know, send us your questions about Half-Blood Prince and we'll play them. Um, and then once we actually get into the episodes, send us your feedback and, um, you know, you just might end up on the show. And don't forget, we've also got our fabulous store where you can get sweatshirts, long sleeve t-shirts, tote bags, flip-flops, regular t-shirts, and so much more. Um, and we also have ringtones of our fabulous theme tune, which you guys heard at the beginning and the end of this episode. Um, and that is available for free and available on the website. And along with your ringtones, we also have for phones, the smartphone app. Uh, it is available, as Eric likes to say, on this side of the pond and the other. Whatever. we 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 just don't have the magic phrase yet i guess but prices vary on this wonderful app which includes transcripts bloopers alternate endings host vlogs and more so make sure to check that out and we look forward to moving into harry potter and the half-blood prince but until then we sign off for now i'm michael harley i am allison sigurd (laughs) i'm kat miller and i am rosie morris thank you for listening to episode 118 of alokamora open the dumbledore